Thank you, Brother Eric, for helping us today. I want you to take your Bible and turn to the Gospel of Luke, please. Chapter 2, Luke chapter 2. And we'll look there in just a moment. I want to come down there today because we're less in number than usual. We have a lot of people that are that are sick or have some physical problems, even on the way to church this morning. Paula was telling me of people that she had just heard about, and uh, our family is numbered in that. But I have some uh, water and some stuff up here that uh, I don't have place to hold, so I'm just going to stay up here. I want to uh, continue a message I began last uh, Sunday morning. You see the title there, God's Principles for Change and Growth. In the Word of God, you have commandments, you have promises, you have warnings. And you also have principles. And God is a God of order, and He has also given us principles in order to guide and order our lives. One of my passions uh, in my life from my teenage years, I cannot mark the time, that's not important, has been uh, that of growth. Part of it, part of it is I've, I've, I have a curious nature. The other part is I... Um, just enjoyed learning, and I'm motivated uh, to want to reach the potential that God has given to me. I think I told you last last week that I believe at the judgment seat that in some way, I don't understand this fully, but we will have some type of of understanding of what we could have been. That is believers, not unbelievers. Unbelievers will not be at the what is called the Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ. Unbelievers will be at the great white throne judgment. But those that are Christians will be at the judgment seat of Christ. And there we will be judged for our works. What we, what we have done for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe in, in some measure we will see what we could have done for Christ. Uh, in, in my reading, I, I love to read broadly. I, I read this definition for success many years ago, and I liked it. I wrote it down. Uh, maybe you might want to write it down. That success is knowing my purpose in life and growing to my maximum potential and sowing seeds that benefit others. Success is knowing my purpose in life Growing to reach my maximum potential and sowing seeds that benefit others. And I, when I read that, I thought, you know, I, I, I've been about that. Now, I think success is more than that. But I like all three of those words, knowing, knowing my purpose. And my purpose is to, to know the will of God and to fulfill the will of God. That's my daily prayer for my children and, and my grandchildren. They're their spouses, if they would know the will of God and be pure. But all three of these areas, to know and, and to grow and to sow. I want to be a giver. But that, that, middle, that middle area, to grow, I don't want to be the same. I want to be a, a better me. Now, the, the ultimate definition of the will of God that I have given to you as your pastor for many decades for many decades, that uh, George W. Truett, 
who pastored the First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas many years ago, that he coined this definition. He said that success is finding the will of God as early as possible in life and then doing it. I mean, you can't get any simpler than that. Success is finding the will of God as early in life as possible and then doing it. I love that definition, and that's really my favorite definition. And then I I wrote this definition down because this is a kind of a daily definition that gets you in the will of God, and it helps you, and that is that success is obedience. Success is obedience. Success is not being number one. Success is not having a lot of money. Success is not fame. Success is obedience. And obedience will lead you into the will of God. Success will lead you to know your purpose. Success will lead you to growing to your maximum potential. And, 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 and obedience obedience will lead you to, to sowing seeds that benefit others. In fact, this is really the root of success is, is obedience. And so the, the, the bottom layer of, of everything is your walk with God and who God is in relating to Him. And so in addition to to this, I want to talk to you about some of these things this morning and hopefully help you some. I have a real burden about this in my life and uh, my family and and my church's life. I say my church, our people. Um, I've, I've read books, hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of books. Many years ago, uh, in our office, my office was over here where our children's ministry is now. Uh, one of our teenagers walked in, and he looked at uh, all of the books on my shelves. And he said, Brother Rick, you, you have a lot of books in here. And he said, have you read all of these? I said, oh, no, I haven't read all of these. And then he left, and I got to thinking. I just started kind of cataloging, looking around. And I thought, you know, I have. I've read most of these books in here. I say that not to impress you, but just in terms of the use of your time. If you were to go over into my my study over here, somebody said that uh, uh, English pastors go to their study and American pastors go to their office. Uh, just a little differentiation. There's a difference in a study and an office. Um that not a, not only are there books, but there are there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, probably several thousand cassette tapes. And my kids used to laugh at me uh, from the time that uh, decades and decades back when we would travel, used to travel all night long. They would go to sleep, and I'd drive through the night, and we'd go on vacation, and I, I would listen to cassette tapes. And when I would drive, I, would, I wouldn't listen to the radio. I'd listen to cassette tapes, sermons, and, and other tapes that I was subscribed to to help me to grow. And now you, uh, there are CDs, and, and now there are podcasts. And even, even last night, I was looking uh, on the Internet for, for some free courses that I could take on particular things. Many, many years ago, I found, I found free seminary courses that I took on preaching and on, on the book of Proverbs uh, that people are paying thousands of dollars for. And, and I took these courses. 
the point I'm trying to make is this. It's not that I, I'm a good person. God knows that's not true. But uh, that that I, I want I want to reach my maximum p- potential. And, and I don't just read these things about ministry in the Bible. I, I read things and take courses about uh, how to be a father, how, how to be a husband, uh, how to be a leader, uh, how to cultivate my, my, my walk with the Lord. And, of course, the, the major book uh, in my Bible, the first, the first book I read and the last book I read at night uh, is this book. This is the most precious book. Now, this is my preaching Bible. This is not necessarily that I'll read this book sometime, have another book, I'll, another Bible I'll read. But uh, the Word of God is a book nearest, nearest to my heart. And I hope you'll be a, a reader. So this is the time of year when people make changes. They, uh, it's just something endemic to us when we say, I, I need to grow. I need to make some changes. So last week we looked at the importance of growth and the, the foundations, the biblical foundations for growth. What does the Bible say about change? And I gave you a statement that I've given you again through the years that all growth requires change, but all change is not, or or let me put it this way, all improvement requires change, but all change is not improvement. And uh, sometimes change just becomes a motif that, well, we're changing. And uh, now you have to change if you're going to improve. And how did you change this past year? How did you improve? But just because you're making changes doesn't mean you're improving. But by the way, if if you're just becoming stale and you're not changing, something is wrong. Now, I wrote this down, and this is kind of the theme of the message, that your growth determines the level of your impact. Your growth determines the level of your impact. Do you want to be a person of impact? Now, I'm not talking about a powerful leader, but do you want to be an influence? That's the word word impact means. So do you want to impact your children? You want to be an impact for the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, you need to be growing. Uh, People are not attracted to that which is stale. Have you ever been around someone that, that that is boring? They're a boring conversationalist. They haven't had a fresh thought in 10 years. After about five years, it's like, you know, I think I'd rather kind of get out of here. Now, I'm not talking about intelligence. I'm talking about freshness. And that's, that's not someone else's fault. That's your fault. Because of, of the mindset that you have. And uh, the way you impact people is by by your growth you cannot take someone where you have not been you cannot give what you do not have you cannot pour from an empty bucket if you want to increase your impact you must increase your growth now i'm i'm becoming older i'll be 66 this this year but that does not mean i cannot impact people now, if, if I'm not better at 66 than I was at 40, something's wrong. Something's desperately wrong. Now, I may not can keep up with people physically, but something's wrong if, if I'm not better spiritually, I'm not better emotionally. 
if I'm not better mentally, something is desperately wrong. And so in 2024, I want to grow. Now, here's the good news. This is the best news. That God wants to do more in your life than you want to do. Wherever you are, God wants to do in you and through you more than you want to do. There's a verse. I want you to write this scripture down. Ephesians 3.20. The Bible says this. Now, unto him, this is God. It's a prayer. The book of Ephesians 3.20, unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. He is able. Now, we're not able, but he's able. There's a lot of things I can't do. I've never been able to do. But he's able. Now, he's not able to do because of some force. Notice the personal pronoun, he Because of the power that works in us. And this power is not an influence. This power is the person of the Holy Spirit. If you're saved, He lives in you. And He's able to do some things in you. Now what are these things? They're exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. According to the power that works in us. God wants to do... More than you consider or can comprehend or think that He wants to do in you. Above all that we ask or think. And here's the problem is we don't ask Him to do anything. We don't ask God to do anything in our personal lives. We don't think about this. Yet the Holy Spirit is there quenched and grieved while we just kind of live a mundane, humdrum life. Now, I'm not talking about fame. I'm not talking about fortune. I'm talking about a life of impact. I'm talking about a a life of growth. Growth is an evidence of life. Living things grow. If, If the Spirit of God lives in you, you ought to be growing. Your marriage ought to be growing. As a grandparent, you ought to be growing. As a father, as a mother, as a friend, your relationships ought to be flourishing. You ought to be better. You ought to be sharper. So, how does the Bible speak to this? Let me give you a couple of sample scriptures, and I'm not going to delve into these, but just whet your appetite. I mentioned these last week, but just real quickly. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2. The Bible says, "...as newborn babes..." Desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. That you may grow thereby. Thereby what? By the word. It's like a baby grows from milk. A little baby. You're going to grow by daily intake of the word of God. If you're not spending time with the word of God every day, you're not going to grow. I need the word of God every day. And the word pure there is an old English word. It just means, it means sincere. It means without anything else. It means I just need the pure word of God. I, now, there's nothing wrong with the devotionals, but some of you, if you spend time, your devotional time, you spend 90% of it reading a devotional, 10% of the word. You need to, I spend a lot of time reading supplementary reading, like commentaries and 
other thing. I need to spend most of my time reading the Word of God. The pure Word of God. And God spurs me on. He convicts me. He encourages me. He comforts me. He grows me. He helps me to be a better man. He changes me. He he makes me uncomfortable when I need to be made uncomfortable. (coughs) Excuse me. Let me give you another verse. Again, Peter said in 2 Peter, in another one of his writings, in 2 Peter 3.18, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm to grow in grace. I ought to have more of the grace of God upon my life and in my life. I ought to be a, be a more gracious man. The Bible says that God is full of grace and glory. If He's in my life, I ought to be full of grace. I ought to be... Uh, I don't know, have a more personal knowledge of Christ. I don't mean to know about the facts of his life, that he lived 33 years. He was born in Bethlehem. His ministry headquarters were in Capernaum and that his, he grew up in Nazareth. I don't mean the details like that. Satan knows that. I'm talking about I know him. I need to grow in that knowledge. And I can know that. Do you know him better? Do you know his grace is sustaining grace through suffering? Do you know do you know that? You can grow in that. Another word, another synonym we looked at last week was the word increase. You can increase, and we'll look at that word in just a minute. Are you increasing? You know, you remember when you were little, I don't know if people do this much anymore, where they would take you inside the kitchen door and uh, they would at the top of your head they would mark you up every three or four months and and uh, you and your siblings, and, and put a date by it, you know, and see. And, and then ten years later, you come back, and it was there. See the increase. You ought to be increasing on the inside. You can't. It's hard to measure. Other people can see it. Sometimes you can't because you're frustrated by your failures. But you ought to be growing. I read a secular book years ago, and it had three questions in it, and. Uh, Man, those questions grabbed me. I added a third question to it. I want to give them to you this morning. They convicted me. Here they are. Listen, what is the one activity that you know if you did superbly well and consistently would have significant positive results in your personal life? There it is. Now, when I read that question, I knew the answer. Do you know the answer to that? What is the one activity that you know, if you did superbly well and consistently, would have significant positive results in your personal life? Okay, number two. What is the one activity you know that if you did superbly well and consistently, would have significant positive results in your professional or work life? When I read that, I knew the answer to that question. Immediately. I didn't have to think five seconds about it. I knew immediately both those answers. Now, I crafted this question 
when I was putting this message together, I just changed one word to it, really, didn't craft the question. And here it is. What is the one activity you know, if you did superbly well, consistently, would have significant positive results in your spiritual life? And some of you know what that is immediately. Now, that, that's a really good question. Those are good questions. But that wasn't the convicting question. That, that was an illuminating question. It was a clarifying question. This was the convicting question. Here it is. If you know these things would make such a significant difference, why are you not doing them now? That's the one that grabbed a hold of me. This was not a Christian book. It was a book on on management. They grabbed a hold of me. Now, I'm going to tell you, most of you, when you think about your personal life, your professional life, your spiritual life, you'd say, well, I'm busy. i got a lot of things going. Yeah, but, but the best things are being diminished because of the good. The enemy of the best is not the bad, it's, it's the good. Now, you know that's true. And when you sacrifice the, the best for the good, the good becomes bad. And Satan will permit that if you're just kind of in cruise control. Now, there's five principles from God's Word on change and growth. I'm just going to mention the first one real quick because we dealt with it in detail last week. Number one, growth is God's plan. This is God's plan for your life that you grow. God didn't save you so you could sit soaking sour on a pew or a chair. God saved you so you could grow. So the question is this, are you growing consistently? Do you have, let me put it this way, do you have a growth plan for your life? For your personal life, for your professional life, for your spiritual life? Some of you, you work for a company that does for your professional life, maybe because it's required. But do you for your personal life, for your spiritual life? As a parent, these are things that I, I tried to structure for myself One of the things that especially my mom taught me, my mom and dad taught me different things, and and they complemented one another. One of the greatest values my mom brought to my life is that um, she taught me to be intentional. She was extremely intentional. When I was in the eighth grade, she came into the bedroom, and she she said, I want you to sit down. I thought I was in trouble. (laughs) I, I couldn't think of anything that I'd done wrong. But I said, all right. I thought, boy, she, she, she didn't look angry, but I thought, I, I must have done something. She said, I want to talk to you. She said, these are the best days of your life. I want you to take advantage of them. She talked to me about using time well. And she was so sincere. She was so intense. I listened to her, but, but I, I soaked it up. And my mom, the way she lived her life. My father, too. But I saw the the pieces that they put in my life. Growth is God's plan for your life. Are you growing?
I thought of this when I was considering this yesterday. In Genesis 1.12, And the earth brought forth grass. Now remember, this is the beginning of creation. And the herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit. You see this? The seed, the tree, and fruit. And the seed was in itself after his kind. So here you have reproduction, growth, maturity, and an increase. From the very dawn of creation, God has stamped growth and reproduction, increase and maturity upon His creation. This is Genesis chapter 1. In the animal kingdom, in the seed kingdom, and then Adam and Eve and humans. They grew, they reproduced, they matured, they increased. Now, God wants you to do that in a personal way. He, he is not content for us to just, you know, oh, it's Monday, okay, it's Tuesday, it's Wednesday, I can't wait till the weekend. He wants you to grow. He wants you to maximize this hour. If you come on Wednesday night to the Bible study, I put, I put every bit of effort into Wednesday night that I put in right now. You know why? Because it's important. I'll give an account to God for that. But not only that, it is I, I, I want to grow, and I want the people that hear me to grow. I know preachers that just shoot from the hip, and they get up, and they're repetitive, and they say the same things over and over. They're not fresh. And moms and dads and, and many women and fellow believers, listen, there's no excuse for us. Not to be growing people as Christians and fellow workers and fellow kingdom members. We need to be the freshest people in the world because we're not going to have any impact. People don't respect us. God's highest purpose for us is to grow. And that highest purpose to grow is to become like Jesus. In Romans chapter 8 In verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. And people talk about that a lot and say, well, God predestined some to heaven and to hell. He did not. He did predestinate his children to be like his son, Jesus Christ. He did predestinate them to be conformed to the image of his son. That is the sum of life, to honor God and to be like Jesus. That's our purpose. That's where we're supposed to grow. And the songwriter had it correct when he wrote the song. And uh, I want to try to sing it. Uh, I want you to sing it with me. I I can't sing, but I I sure can't sing today. But see if you can help me with it, if I can get it out here. You know this song, I think. I'm going to put it down a key, okay, because my voice is lower. It goes, to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus, all I ask, to be like Him. Um, from, how's it go, from earth? You don't know it, do you? Oh, hold on, my back's hurting. 
They muddle up here. I wrote it down. I am I am sixty five, remember. I looked at Frank, he's older than I am. All through life's journey from earth to glory. That's it. All through life's journey from earth to glory. All right, you know it. Help me. We sing it to be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. You know it. To be like Jesus. All I ask. To be like Him. All through life's journey from earth to glory all to one more time to be like all I ask Now, when I was singing that song to myself, I sing, I preach myself or I preach to you. So when I write these sermons, I preach in myself, I pray through them. And I think about songs, I think about other scriptures. But uh, there was one line in that song that convicted me. To be like Jesus, to be like Jesus, and here it is, all I ask to be like him. And I thought it you know, is that true, Rick? You know, all I ask to be like him. Is is that the only desire I have to be like him? You know? And so my my prayer my prayer changed while I was sitting in my chair pondering that part of the message. I want you to sing this with me. Uh, you know this. Change my heart, oh God. Sing it with me. Make it ever Change my heart. May I be. I am. This is what changed my heart. Amen. Amen. That's a good prayer. And Father, grant that, grant that for me 
and grant that for us even today. So growth, growth is God's plan for us. Number two, let me give you another principle. Growth needs to be balanced. Growth needs to be balanced. There are several areas in life that we can grow in. I want to give you five today. But here, here's my problem. Maybe you have my problem. Is we tend to gravitate to our strength and our interest and neglect other areas because we they're difficult for us. And we're lazy, so we don't do those things. But we shouldn't do that. And Luke chapter 2, if you look there with me, <clears throat> I want you to see this verse in Luke 2.52. And notice the third word in Luke 2.52, and Jesus increased. And Jesus increased. And Jesus is 12 years old in this passage. And here, he's becoming a man. He increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. He begins to increase. He's increasing. That has the idea of he wasn't where he used to be. And he's increasing. Now we see these four categories. Number one, he increased in wisdom. Uh, There needs to be growth intellectually. Jesus increased intellectually. Now, truth be told, the Bible says he increased in wisdom. Now, part of that includes your mind. But knowledge is not wisdom. Education, you you can be an educated fool. Um, I'm not opposed to education. Um, But just because you're educated, just because you have a lot of uh, you you had a 36 on the ACT does not mean you have wisdom. Jesus knew more than facts. He had godly, godly wisdom. But he also grew in his mind. Now, I don't have time to read the whole passage, but he's there in Jerusalem at a feast. Notice in verse 47, Luke chapter 2 and verse 47. And all that heard him, these are the religious leaders, were astonished at his understanding. So this has to do with his knowledge and answers. See that? They all were amazed, astonished at his understanding and answers. Now you can say, well, he was God. Yeah, but he was, he lived as a man. And... Here he was, he was 12 years old, and he had wisdom that paralleled and and even exceeded that of the religious leaders in Jerusalem. And notice in verse 50, and he's talking about his parents here in verse 47 as religious leaders. But the Bible says his parents understood not the saying which he spake unto them. So here you have the Lord Jesus Christ with a with a wisdom that is unmatched by religious leaders and people that are older than he is. Now let me let me show you something that is fundamental to wisdom. Turn to Proverbs 
chapter 1. I think it's on the screen, but you may want to mark these verses. In Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 5, look what the Bible says. A wise man will hear, and look what the Bible says, and will increase. And I want you to look at the word increase, and will increase learning. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. And my question to you this morning is, what, what have you learned this past year? What, how, how has your capacity for wisdom and, and godly knowledge increased? Godly understanding, increased learning. A wise man will hear, and this is, notice this, the attitude of listening here, the attitude of humility. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. Here's what I've learned. You never, you, you never learn while you're talking. You never learn while you're talking. We have pastors that are in here um, that we invite in. Price Harris and other men of God. I, I don't talk a lot. I write down questions and I ask them and I let them talk. Sometimes I'm with other men and they they will say, uh, maybe a, a man of God will say, well, I knew this this pastor. And they'll say, oh, I knew him. And then they'll go off on their own story. And they're 30 years younger than this guy. And I want to say, will you be quiet? He, he, he's been around the block. He knows more than you. He's going to tell you something if you'll shut up. But they yap and they yap and they want to tell how much they know. And I just want to, I just want to get away from the conversation because they, they don't ask questions. Look at Proverbs chapter 9. I'm just picking a few verses out here. Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 9. Give instruction to a wise man. And he will be yet wiser. See the increase there? Yet wiser. Teach a just man and he will, will increase. See the, the word there? Increase in learning. Increase in learning. Is your mind growing? It ought to be. The Bible says that Jesus increased in wisdom. This is a godly thing. Um, there's no excuse for this. A pastor, I, I don't enjoy reading. Well, they have books now that they can read to you. Um, you can do this. Uh, I don't enjoy studying. Well, you, you, if you like hunting, you, you like studying about guns. Do you have a teachable spirit? Because it's really the root of it. Do you apply what you read? Some of you read, but you don't apply. When I read books, I, I have codes. And I'll, I'll put, this is a good story to use in a sermon. And I'll put illustration. And then I'll go in the front of the book and I'll write um, adversity, illustration. I'll put the page or quote um, Comfort, and then I'll put it because I want to curate those books. Reading in a new dimension. 
learning from the experiences of others. I like to ask people if I know them well. Um, I had a friend who lost his wife to a disease. I said, what, what were some things you learned about that? And that wasn't right after it happened. And he was close enough. I could ask him, what were some things you learned? You know, um, when I read, I read, I reflect, I apply. You say, wow, that's really wise. Well, I didn't come up with that. I, Howard Hendricks taught me that. Listen, very rarely do I come up with anything. I, I, I learn stuff from everybody. I'm not creative at all. Jesus increased in knowledge. You, you are the sum total of the five people that you hang around with pretty much. For good or bad. That's a scary thing for some of us. Jesus not only increased in intellectually, but number two, he increased physically. The Bible says he increased in stature. If you look in your Bible also at verse 42 of Luke 2. Luke chapter 2 and verse 42, it says that when he was 12 years old... They went up to Jerusalem. Now, I think here in verse 52, when it says he increased in his stature, this refers to the time after that, that he begins to grow outside of that. Now, here's what's interesting to me. Remember, he's, he's, he's confounding people. He knows the will of God when he's 12 years old. Isn't it amazing? We say, oh, they're just a teenager. Well, Jesus was a teenager. And we say, well, we're, they're not Jesus I get that. But but we we throw away youth so so easy. Um the priority here is is on our, on the physical part of us. The physical houses the most important part of us which is our soul. But the physical is important. When I turned, uh, I went to my high school reunion, my 25th high school reunion. And I was, uh, no, my 20th high school reunion, I was 38 years old. And I met uh, a guy I played football with. He was uh, the uh, strength coach at one time for the University of Alabama and a world champion weightlifter and a lot of other things. I said, I want you to help me get into shape. And he created a, this incredible plan for me. And five days a week for for years, I went to the gym. I took my boys with me. Paula went with me. Went to the same gym. And I got in, in really, really good shape. For about 10 years, I just worked and worked and got in shape. Physical shape. And I had some... I don't know if it's from football or what, back injuries. But it helped me. It was good for me. Maybe, you know, the, let me give you a scripture here. First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7, the Bible says, Exercise thyself unto godliness. And the word exercise there is, we get the word gem from it. If I put the Greek word up here, you would say it's the word gem. It means, it means work yourself out. To godliness. So that's the 
The idea of bodily exercise profiteth a little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. But verse 7 says, exercise yourself unto godliness. So, but bodily exercise profiteth little, but it doesn't say not at all. It does profit some. There is a profit margin. But our major emphasis is to be on our soul, but we're, we're to take care of our body. So maybe it's a health condition. Maybe it's, it's flexibility. I try to do flexibility exercises every day. Endurance, strength, walking, maybe getting a checkup, um, weight loss. And most of the time, this is one of the top things that people commit to at the beginning of the year. That, well, this is something I want to grow in. I want to commit to. But here's, here's the thing. A lot of times it's motivated by external factors where I want to look good or I want to feel better as opposed to the kingdom of God. And it doesn't last long because the motive is not attached to the glory of God. And then the Bible, this is a mystery that Jesus increased spiritually. In verse 52, the Lord Jesus increased spiritually. The Bible says there in Luke chapter 252 that he was in favor with God. Isn't that fascinating? Now, how, how does that happen? The Son of God. The word favor there means to bring joy, delight, and pleasure. Jesus had, he, he brought joy, delight, and pleasure to his Father. There was a growth spiritually in the Son of God. This is a mystery. May I show you two verses? Look at Luke chapter 1 and verse 80. Now this is about John the Baptist. It's only said about two people in the Bible. Luke chapter 1 and verse 80. It's one page back. And the child grew, John the Baptist, and waxed strong in spirit. You see that? And waxed strong in spirit. Don't miss that. And he waxed strong in spirit. Now look at Luke chapter 2 and verse 40. This is used about the Lord Jesus Christ. Only these two people. And the child grew, the Lord Jesus, and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And waxed strong in spirit. The two, two words, wax strong, mean to increase in strength on the inside. They increased in strength in their spirit. And I think the Holy Spirit had to help them to do that. It had the idea of they gave attention to their inner man on the inside. And remember, Jesus was 12 years old. And the Bible said that John the Baptist and the child grew and waxed strong in spirit. Don't diminish what your children and your teenagers can become. Well, you know, every child is going to sow wild oats. They don't have to. Pray over them. Help them. Help them to focus on their spirit, not just their bodies. Maybe this means, give for you, focusing on Bible reading. Or maybe you need to study the Bible this year. We're 
showing you how to do that on Wednesday nights. Hey, you can become a Bible student. Maybe you need to memorize a portion of the Bible. We gave you some cards this even today, a scripture verse on how to memorize the Bible. Just take that. Maybe to meditate on the Bible, to apply the Word of God, prayer, worship, to, to evangelize, church attendance, to be more faithful in church, to get involved in ministry, to be discipled, to disciple others, to be baptized. Maybe you've been saved but never baptized. Maybe there's a sin you need to forsake. Maybe to make restitution. Maybe to live by faith. Maybe to tithe. I don't know, but what is it that you need to get in favor to God with? To please the Lord, to bring joy and delight and pleasure to Him. This is something that you need to increase in. And then let me give you two more. And then the Bible says socially, that increased in favor with man in Luke 2.52. Now, Again, this has the idea of bringing joy, delight, and pleasure with people. Did you know that it's not it's not a mark of godliness to be a grump? It's not a mark of godliness to be a hermit? Uh, some of you need to learn how to be warm with people. Now, I, I had to learn how to do this. It was not easy for me. I'm an introvert by nature. And I had to learn how to intentionally engage with this, with a sincere way. It's interesting, the man Samuel, when he was a boy, the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 26, and the child Samuel grew on, and as he grew, he was in favor both with the Lord and also with men. Isn't that interesting? That's in the Word of God. He had joy and delight and pleasure. And people, people, Delighted in him. He was their friend. May, may I phrase it this way? Do you have friends? Do you know how to express love to people? Do you know how to encourage people? Do you know how to forgive people? Are you bitter with people? Do you, do you have an attitude with people? Are you distant with people? Do you approach people? The Lord Jesus Christ had favor with people. This is something that some of you need to work on. Because this is to be like Jesus. This is what it means to be like Jesus. And then the last word. I put relational. I should have put familial. Familial means family. You'll notice in Luke chapter 2 and verse 51. Jesus went down with his parents came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. And his mother kept all these things in her heart. This was after his parents. And he couldn't find him. And they came to him. And uh, his mom fussed. Where have you been? We've been worrying about you. And if you pick it up there in verse 47. Where that they saw the teachers and so forth. And. Jesus said in verse 49, How is it that you sought me? Wish ye not that it must be about my father's business? My heavenly father, Joseph, is my earthly father. He's 12 years old. He knows the will of the, 
He knows the will of his father. And they understood not the saying. Even though they didn't understand, he submitted to them. And there's some things in life you're not going to understand in your family. But you submit to authority. There's some things I don't understand about my wife. But that doesn't mean I don't love her. Just because you don't understand your husband. You don't figure him out because you don't love him. There's the things you grow in. I want to close with this. I have so much more. I may finish this next week because it's a lot to give here. Would you turn to 2 Timothy, please, chapter 4? I want you to look at this. This is illustrated beautifully here. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul is in a place where he's, (coughs) pardon me, going to die soon. These are his very last words. He writes Timothy in verse 13. He says, A cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus when thou comest, bring with thee in the books, but especially the parchments. At Christmas time, we were sitting. The kids said, Daddy, we want you to sit there. They... uh, Aubrey gave me a card, an envelope, and said, turn around, the television was on. And he said, you're going to Italy. And our kids gave us a, a gift uh, this May to go to Italy. Our children did for uh, my, my birthday, our 45th anniversary, and for our Christmas gift to go to Italy. And uh, I don't know that we're going to go to Rome, but this was in Rome when he wrote this from. And if I get to go to Rome, I'm going to go to the Mamertine prison where Paul was, where he wrote this from. And it was cold. It was in a, it was in a dungeon. It was in a hole in the ground. And there were four things. I have them underlined. The cloak, look at verse 13, the books. And the parchments. The cloak is a coat. You know what he's saying, Timothy? I'm cold. I'm cold. I need something for my body. I'm cold. Would you bring me my coat? Would you help me? Would you bring the books? I need something for my mind. Now this says a lot about Paul in this little verse. I need something for my mind. Would you bring my books, plural? I'd like to read. I don't have any books here. This reminds me so much of myself. I get cold easy. Paula, would you bring me a coat and bring me some books? And then he said, bring the parchments. Now, what is that? That's the Bible. I need something for my soul. I need something for my body. I need something for my mind. I need something for my soul. But I want you to notice in that verse, he says, especially the parchments. If you forget the cloaks, the cloak, okay. If you forget the books, okay. But don't forget the parchments, the Word of God. Now, if you'll notice in verses 10 
He talks about Demas, verse 11. He talks about Luke, verse 11. He talks about Mark. In verse 12, he talks about Tychicus. In verse 19, he talks about Prisca and Aquila, or Priscilla and Aquila. In verse 19, he talks about Nesiphorus. In verse 20, he talks about Erastus and Trophimus. In verse 21, he talks about Eubulus and Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brethren. He talks about all the people. And he said, I, I need something for my body. And I need something for my soul. And I need something for my soul, my mind. And I wish I had something socially. But I can't have them. But make sure they know that I love them. And then he tells Timothy in verse 21, do thy diligence to come before winter. Because when winter time came, it was hard to travel. And here's what he was saying. Tim, if you don't hurry, I'm not going to see you again. Would you please hurry? Because winter time's coming. And if you don't get here... I'm going to be gone. Now I want to ask you a question as we close. God's plan is for you to grow. And you need to grow in a balanced way. And you know it's easy for me to grow in my mind. Because I'm attracted to that. But some of you, it's easy for you to work out. Some of you, you're a people person. Some of you, you, you fit the other category. You, you need to find where you need to grow and you need to expand in a godly way instead of being stagnant so you can be like Jesus. Because Jesus increased in stature and in favor with God in man and in wisdom. Now, I want you to pray with me if you would.